Thank you for tuning in to the A Talking Dude podcast. In this episode, I'm going to be talking about the whole concept of special educational needs. I'm going to be unpacking it a little bit to kind of talk about what it means or what it's, what it's supposed to mean. And I'm going to discuss how black children and in particular black boys and in particular black Caribbean boys are disproportionately being labelled as having special educational needs and how I think that at least in part is to do with racism and bias and prejudice on the part of the uh, school officials. In early 2018, the BBC aired a a fantastic documentary called Being Blacker, in which they followed a well-known Brixton-based record shop owner called Blacker Dread. One thing that stood out for me was how his youngest son, who had been having some problems at school, was labelled a problem child with probable ADHD. His mother, Mary, moved him to Jamaica and by the time of the documentary, he he was found to be scoring regularly over 90% in in his exams and he came across as a a, a fairly well-behaved, eloquent, charming, good-natured young boy. But had the school system in the UK and in Brixton had, had its way, things could have been very different for him. The rapper and activist Akala who is half black and half white, had a somewhat similar experience at school, which he recounts recounted in an interview for the Independent newspaper. He said, quote, I was one of the smartest kids in the class, but I was put in a special needs group because of a teacher who thought I was too bright for a working class brown boy. Fortunately, my mum was already sending me to Pan-African Saturday schools, and so I'd learned to be prepared for this kind of discrimination. I had this armoury that I could pick up and nip it in the bud and keep me in school. Unquote. In other interviews, Akala explains that it was a it was mainly a chance visit from f- people from his Saturday school, which alerted his mother to what had happened, and they managed to get him out of the second the, the uh, special needs class. Again, this was this was probably a lucky escape. I know from other interviews that Akala has done that he, during his his youth, a period of his youth, of his teenage years, he was kind of on the peripheries of street crime and violence. But for many boys, this labelling and sorting by teachers and school authority figures would put them on a would put them on a trajectory of uh, educational or towards educational failure and crime. Let's look at some statistics. The Times Educational Supplement published an article in December 2017, which helps shed some historical and statistical light on these experiences. I'll quote it. Quote, It's argued that the educational system tends to marginalise children who do not conform to majority norms. The growth and consideration of special educational provision in the 1960s and 70s coincided with the arrival of immigrants from the Caribbean and the South and Southeast Asia. Statutory categories were developed for children with, quote, limited ability, and those who, quote, showed evidence of emotional instability or psychological disturbance and required special treatment to affect personal, social and educational readjustment, unquote. From the outset, these labels of uh, educationally subnormal or ESN and maladjusted were disproportionately applied to disadvantaged minority ethnic pupils. The Inner London Educational Authority, that's a blast from the past, 
reported in 1967 that misplacement to educational sub educationally subnormal schools was four times more likely for immigrant children and was largely due to behavioral problems in 1968 a third of esn that's educationally subnormal schools were classified as children uh, sorry as immigrants compared with 17% of children in mainstream schools and three quarters of these children, get this, three quarters of these children were of Caribbean descent. So just to recap that again, in 1968, a third of children in these uh, these uh, special needs schools were so-called immigrants. And of those, three quarters were Caribbean. In the past half century, whenever relevant data has been broken down by ethnicity, black Caribbean students have been over-identified as having special educational needs and pupils with special educational needs have been disproportionately excluded. End of the quote from this Times Educational Supplement. To illustrate that last point, a 2013 Telegraph article reported the following, quote, black children were far more likely to be diagnosed with special needs, with numbers standing at 24.1%. This compares with 22.3% of Pakistani pupils and 20.6% of white pupils, while the population, sorry, the proportion was as low as 11.6% amongst Chinese children and 12.3% of those from Indian families, end of quote. So more, what we're seeing here, there's there's clearly some racial differences, racial disparities in in the likelihood of being labelled as educationally subnormal or having special educational needs, and black children are being labelled uh, as having special educational needs at the highest rate of all of the children, and this goes back fifty years at least to to when these labels were first kind of created in the sixties. So it's sobering stuff, but but what is what exactly does this mean? What does it mean to be uh, called to have special educational needs? The BBC has the following quote: "Special educational needs is a legal term. It describes the needs of a child who has a difficulty or disability which makes learning harder for them than for other children their age. Around one in five children has special educational needs at some point during their school years." Special educational needs, or SEN, covers a broad spectrum of dif- difficulty or disability. Children may have wide-ranging or specific problems. For example, a child might have difficulty with one area of learning, such as letters or numbers, or they might have problems relating to other children or to adults. End of quote. From the UK government website, we read the following, quote, Special educational needs and disabilities, or SEND, can affect a child or young person's ability to learn. They can affect their behaviour or ability to socialise, for example, they they struggle to make friends. Reading and writing, for example, because they have dyslexia. Ability to understand things. Concentration levels, for example, because they have ADHD. And physical ability, end of quote. And I should say that the BBC article also pointed out that having English as a second language is not considered by law to be a special educational need. To me, though, some of these indicators seem very subjective. For example, if a child has difficulty making friends or socialising, 
Why does that indicate something wrong with them or a problem with them necessarily? And I'll say this now, the same criticism, the same kind of criticism can be made about the concept of mental illness, but I'm going to save that for a future podcast episode. So make sure you're subscribed and and following me on Twitter and so on. Of course, there are going to be cases where children with severe behavioural difficulties and or children with uh, actual physical and neurological conditions that affect their ability to learn, socialise and develop. But for someone like an Akala or Black Adred son, you have to sus- suspect that the it's the teacher's biases and prejudices, racism in short, that leads them to label and stigmatise black children and children of other ethnic groups, non, non-white children, in this way. I think a lot of teachers probably just don't know how to relate to black children, especially boys. And I think that often they have prejudged black boys as being trouble and interpret their behaviour using that prism, regardless of whether the behaviour is genuinely disruptive or not. And this is something that I think, you know, it, it, it's hot. you can't really deny that. Black people generally, you know, are viewed, often viewed through a particular prism. So, for example, black women often talk about how they're, they're kind of labelled as trouble, you know, uh, what's, what's, the, what's the word? Uh, strong black women, sassy, you know, uh, fierce and so forth, when really they're not. If you just objectively look and just talk to them and, and, and take their behaviour on face value without all the preconceived notions, they're just pretty much like everybody else. And I think a similar thing happens with black boys, younger black boys. Part of it, I think a lot of people, white people basically, view black boys as being strong, powerful, you know, big, uh, you know, dangerous, basically physically, on a phys- just on a basic physical level, they, that's what they have in their minds. And so because of that, they're thinking, oh, dangerous, you know, trouble, watch them. In 2016, a study at Yale University kind of backed what I'm saying up and uh, gave a potential insight into how, you know, this kind of practice works in an educational setting. Really interesting. I'm going to quote at length from this article. So, researchers led by Yale professor Walter Gilliam showed 135 educators videos of children in a classroom setting. Each video had a black boy and girl and a white boy and girl. The teachers were told the following. We are interested in learning how uh, learning about how teachers detect challenging behavior in the classroom. Sometimes this involves seeing behavior before it becomes problematic. The video segments you are about to view are of preschoolers engaged in various activities. Some clips may or may not contain challenging behaviors. Your job is to press the enter key on the external keyboard every time you see a behavior that could become a potential challenge. While the teachers were asked to detect challenging behavior, no such behavior existed in any of the videos. Yet when asked which children required the most attention, 42% of the teachers identified the black boy. Just absolutely incredible really, isn't it? Back to the article, the last bit of the article. The participants' conscience sorry, the participants' conscious appraisal of who they believed required the most attention closely mirrored the independent results of an eye tracking technology used by the research team, which noted that preschool teachers 
show a tendency to more closely observe black students and especially boys when challenging behaviors were expected. And I should point out, that's the end of that article, I should point out there that this actually applied to both to children of, of uh, sorry, pe- uh, teachers of all races. So it wasn't just the white teachers who were, who were, who were, had this bias uh, kind of against black boys, but also the black teachers did, which is deep, you know. And, and we're going to see now from here on in that the plot, the plot is just going to thicken and thicken and thicken. So what we've seen there is some scientific uh, evidence there that, uh, you know, teachers or a scientific experiment there, which is kind of backed up the idea that teachers are basically unfairly discriminating against black boys because they expect them to be trouble even when they're not trouble and that article I should have pointed out that article's from the Guardian a 2016 Guardian article called black black students teachers implicit racial bias preschool study now even where children's behavior is genuinely disrupting and troubling so not the you know, not the, not the figment of the teacher's imagination based on their preconceived notions. Even where children's behaviour is genuinely disruptive and troubling, I'm not convinced that such label that labelling such children as having special educational needs is the best approach. These behaviours could be perfectly rational and normal responses to their environment. That is the children's environment. To go back to Black Adred, who I mentioned at the start of the uh, podcast. Areas like Brixton in South London, England, have huge and interrelated social problems with crime, gangs, unemployment, drug use, intergenerational poverty, high, concentration, high concentrations of, of uh, single parent households, uh, housing shortage, you know, hu- massive house price inflation and so on. Pollution, you could say. It's obvious that schools in these areas will reflect these problems and that many children will have trouble. If you change the environment or put the children into better environments, more conducive to pro-social behaviour, you improve children's behaviour and performance. All of this nuance gets lost if you simply just label the children as having a special educational need. And again, that's something that's a lot of this is pre is kind of shadowing, foreshadowing what I'm going to talk about with regard to mental health in a future podcast. Because I think this very similar thing can be criticism can be made of 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 mental health diag- mental illness diagnosis. But again, that's for a future podcast. Now, here the plot thickens even more, as as was stated in the Times Educational Supplement article earlier. Children who are labelled as having special educational needs are more likely to be excluded. The latest government figures come from 2015-16 and show that black Caribbean pupils were permanently excluded at three times the rate of white British pupils and that across the board ethnic across the broad ethnic groups black and mixed ethnicity pupils had the highest rate of both fixed period and permanent exclusions. Now one of the things that people talk about is that excluding children is a surefire way of getting them on the path to criminality, young offenders, institutions and prison. So when, uh, you know, statistics, government statistics shows that show that a lot of, I think it's something like a large majority of children 
who were in young offenders institutions and and a huge proportion of uh, prisoners young prisoners in in actual adult prisons were previously excluded from school or had uh, you know uh, suspensions and so on so this is a really important issue when we're talking about dealing with crime and all these you know drill music and blah 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 this that and the other you know i've talked about drill music drill music is certain certainly a factor but we have to look at the educational system here because that is one of the key starting points on the route to criminality. And if we can deal with the problem at the root there, what's going on in the schools, why are these children getting excluded and why are black children in particular getting excluded at higher rates, then that will give us a real strong chance to be able to deal with a criminality problem. Part of this disparity must be down to unjust biases and prejudices of teachers, i.e. racism on the part of teachers and school officials. However, plot thickening coming. When you dig into the data further, you find some interesting and perhaps surprising details. For example, black African children are much less likely to be excluded than black Caribbean children. Whereas 4.4% of black African children were temporarily excluded in 2015-16, a whopping 10% of black Caribbean children were. That's a bigger, sorry, there's a bigger disparity when it comes to permanent exclusions. And in both cases, while the black Caribbean rate is higher than that for white children, the black African rate is lower than that for white children. And again, that's that's from government government statistics uh, which I'll put links to in the podcast description. Going back to the special educational needs issue there there seems to be a similar pattern. A paper entitled Special Educational Needs and Immigration Slash Ethnicity gives the following information quote once the influence of socio-economic disadvantage gender and age had been taken into account the likelihood of pupils from different majority, minority ethnic groups having special educational needs showed interesting patterns. This can be demonstrated by the use of odds ratios. Compared with the likelihood of white British pupils having special educational needs, the percentage of black children was not substantially different. Indeed, there was a lower likelihood or odds ratio of black Caribbean pupils not. 0.85 to 1 and black African pupils 0.47 to 1 having moderate learning difficulties than white pe- British pupils. However, black Caribbean pupils were still one times more likely or twice as likely to be considered to have behavioural, emotional and social difficulties. Now I should say that some caution should be uh, uh, you know had here because the socio-economic disadvantage that is referred to is is measured by children being eligible for free school meals there's some dispute over whether uh, eligibility for free school meals is as solid as indicator of poverty as it's claimed to be however this added layer of analysis is important because it suggests that socio-economic status may be a more important factor than race in children getting labeled as having special educational needs For example, how can we make sense of the differences between Caribbean and African children? Well, part of it is probably down to the fact that Africans are generally fairly recent immigrants to the UK and thus benefit from the so-called migrant bonus. This is the well-observed pattern of migrants being highly motivated to succeed in their new countries. 
On the Caribbean side, I think it's likely that their experience are partly, or maybe even largely, a legacy of the of the racism that was experienced by many of their parents and grandparents that I mentioned earlier, which damaged the socio their socio-economic life chances and which had ongoing generational effects. Overall, it's clear to me that social that cultural ethnic and socio-economic backgrounds of children can lead to differing levels of troubling or difficult behaviour, not to mention physiological problems that can hinder their ability to learn. On the latter point, that is the, the physiological problems, consider, for example, that a higher proportion of marriages and procreation among Pakistanis in Britain are consanguineous or between relatives. Children of such unions are at a higher risk of developing congenital conditions and defects, and so it shouldn't surprise anyone to hear that in the research I mentioned previously, Pakistani pupils were found to be about twice as likely as white pupils to have hearing impairment, visual impairment, and profound and multiple learning difficulties. In conclusion, in this episode, I've given a cursory overview of the issue of black children in particular being labelled and stigmatised by teachers and schools as having special educational needs. There are a lot of threads to take up here, I, I'll grant that. The disparities between racial groups on their own suggest ra uh, racism and teacher bias, but the differences between ethnic groups of the same race, and particularly the fact that African and some Asian children fare better quite a bit better in some cases than white British children when other confounding factors are taken into account suggest that there are cultural factors at work as well as social economic factors. If I find any more f out on these issues I'll discuss them in a future episode. One thing I'll, I'll do in an upcoming episode as I said as I've kind of trial trial what's the word as I've kind of mentioned a few times in, the, in this episode is to talk about the concept of mental illness more generally. Basically, I'm starting to think that the label, mental, the label mental illness is not as objective and as scientific as we're led to believe, and that the labelling and treatment of behavioural problems as, ment as being illness may be limiting our ability to understand and resolve them. On that note, thank you for watching. This is uh, listening rather. This has been the latest episode of a Talking Dude podcast. Do hook up on social media, mainly on Twitter, it's at A Talking Dude. And I've got some other channels as well, which you can see links to on my A Talking Dude channel on YouTube or on the Twitter feed. All right, take care. Look forward to getting feedback on this. Bye bye.